Now we turn to our good friend from somewhere in a hotel somewhere, Mr. Al Bad. Hey, Al, where are you? I am at the beautiful Jackpot Junction in uh, Martin, Minnesota. Are you gambling away your life savings? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, I've not ventured to that part of the. More power to those who want to do that. I'm just. Uh, I'm not one of those that wants to do that. So I. I lost a dollar one year in a penny in a penny machine. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether they still have those, but uh, I played the slot machine. Uh, lost a penny at a time, which was excruciating. And I uh, lost a dollar, so that kind of satisfied my need to play. I thought I, I should play one machine. I've been into so many of these places, and I lost a dollar, and that seemed, you know, I'm still smarting from that <laughs> loss of a dollar, so I, I guess I don't need to do anything more. Well, my so limit was a, has always been $2 is my limit, and I used to play the penny things. I don't know if they even make those anymore either, but I was like a $2, and if I lost $2, that was it. You were a high roller <laughs> yeah, compared exactly. to me. Right, I, W. I I see some folks. I uh, walked through one uh, one of the Iowa ones here not too long ago, and some of those folks look like they were uh, born in that seat that they're on, like they've been there forever. And and some of them didn't look very happy. I, I, mm-hmm. It should be fun. I know a lot of folks will say, I I take $150 or whatever, and I'm going to go down there and lose it. I can lose $150, and I have fun doing it, and more power to you. But a lot of people just look like they were, I don't know, chained to the machine and just not having a very good time. And I, I hope I'm wrong. And I, You know, the other day a neighbor said uh, it was a good day to stay inside out of. And it's kind of a tangled way of saying that, but I knew what he meant. It was a good day to stay inside. He just added a couple words to it, and it was blustery. But in our yard, is kind of protected by the trees from the north, so the north wind, uh, we get a little protection. But there was a hint of skunk smell in the air. And as one of my favorite cartoon characters of all time, Pepe Le Pew, said while he was swimming without an oxygen tank in one of the episodes, when you are a skunk, you learn how to hold your breath for a long time. Uh, Skunks aren't true hibernators. They go into torpor, kind of a winter sleep, and their varied diet makes it easier for them to find food in winter than maybe some other animals. So they get up and get out and eat, and this time, get around Valentine's Day and the skunk males go out looking for um, love and all the, I hope on all the right places. But, uh, oh, it did smell. It was really a strong smell. So I'm thinking maybe this skunk had met up with uh, with his hand on the road being hit by a car or something. They, uh, I I don't mind the smell so, so bad. Uh, there are people... Uh, who I've talked to who really enjoy the smell of skunks, uh, other than it's a sign of spring, they actually enjoy the smell, and uh, they need to be sprayed more often by skunks. They'll get over that, I think. The feeders in my yard are being visited by a scurry of squirrels. Uh, fox squirrels are large squirrels, and they're chasing one another around because it's that time of season for them as well. Fox squirrels are, again, large squirrels. Red squirrels are not. Uh, Fox squirrels are feisty, but their feistiness puts them in the amateur ranks when compared to red squirrels. 
and there was an encounter under a feeder. It wasn't so much a battle as it was a chase. One squirrel chased the other in the squirrel cave in the snow. The bigger animal won, but not without protest. The red squirrel, I think, started it from what I could see, and the fox squirrel just that's it, and chased this red squirrel into a hole in the snow. And it wasn't long before the vanquished, the red squirrel emerged from a snowy hole, twitched his tail for a while, and scolded the victor. I saw raccoon tracks in the snow, and the word raccoon was adopted from uh, into English from uh, oh, it was one of the Algonquin tribes, a uh, term they used during the Virginia colony. And it was recorded on Captain John Smith's list of words. And also there was another fella, and it was William, oh, man, was it Strachey's? I want to say it was S-T-R-A-C-H-E-Y. It's been a while since I read that, but he also kept a list. And if I remember right, they spelled the names wrong or differently, but uh, either way, it meant one who rubs, scratches, rubs, scrubs, and scratches with its hands. And the adaptability of raccoons has allowed them to thrive in urban areas where I think they're doing much better than they are in the rural areas. Well, all of a sudden, the wind just stopped. I'd been wishing it would, and it was it was kind of scary. It had been blowing, and just it stopped. And it was all of a sudden, it was cold, still, and quiet. And I replenished the suet in my feeder, and I heard an odd whooshing sound. It just whooshing is one of those wonderful words because it's whoosh, it just it's just like it sounds. And it whooshed this way, and it whooshed that way, and I turned this way, and I twisted that way in order to see what was the cause. Well, it was a whirling flock of birds, and it was a graceful movement of starlings called a murmuration. I I can't put in words how cool that was, to be outside on a nice uh, sunny winter day and hear that whooshing sound. It was just, uh, it, was, uh, it was amazing. Speaking of amazing, I uh, had an um, amazing good fortune to know a fellow by the name of Jack Madsen from Rapidan Township. And I just learned the other day that Jack had passed away towards the end of uh, 2017. And uh, I had missed hearing from him, but I thought he just had enough of me and I hadn't heard from him for a while. But I'm (laughs) glad I knew Jack. He was uh, just a great guy, English teacher, and uh, into the history of the Rapidan area. And just, uh, I, I miss him. It's pretty sad to think uh, that you you were thinking he was dissing you the whole time and yet he was dead, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's why it's another lesson for me that I better, you know, a lot of times we're just better not thinking things. Um, we just, we try to think too much or we think too much because we think we're so thoughtful. So next uh, time, what, before you before you think somebody's dissing you, you, you got to Google the obits to make sure they're still, you know, there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's. Oh, I always, you know, and we argue with that. We'll sit around the cafe and somebody will say, uh, oh, I wonder how Myrna's doing. And somebody else say, well, I think she died. <laughs> well, I didn't know she died. And then we finally somebody has to pull out his, uh, his smartphone and look up and uh, find out who's right or wrong. Uh, Alan Stankovitz said he has a couple of red-winged blackbirds at his feeders, and there's also a brown-headed cowbird. Uh, Tim Scott, good friend Tim Scott of Mankato, has nine cardinals coming daily to his feeders. He has black squirrels in his yard, pine siskins, pileated woodpeckers, and possums. 
I think Tim said there were as many as four possums, but now they were down to three. So he might have to Google uh, to see about an obit for one of his possums. Uh, Millie Wesson of Hayward, she was driving, she and her husband Dale were coming back from somewhere in Wisconsin visiting families. And they drove near a livestock farm, and they said there was a lot of black ground in one area of this livestock farm, and they couldn't tell if it was a hog or a turkey, but it was one of those kind of setups. There were 25 bald eagles in one large tree, plus a lot of other bald eagles around. She said they were about three miles from the river. And Millie said, I'd seen sparrows in those numbers, but not eagles, and wondered what was going on. I would guess there was some kind of... Um, Animal carcasses or bits of animal carcass that were put out on that on that bare land. I don't know what the laws are in Wisconsin and Minnesota. They can be kind of tough about uh, putting um, carcasses out there, so I can't comment on that because I don't know. But I would guess that would it would have to be food to attract all the eagles. Uh, John Schladweiler of New Ulm said he heard his uh, first of the year calling Eurasian collared dove this morning, and I love their call, John. They do. Uh, Jill Demmer of Heartland, a friend and fellow election judge, um, she said there's a cardinal attacking her window, and she just wishes he'd stop because she worries about him and just, you know, he's got to get his life together and he, maybe get him into counseling, anger management or something. What can she do? Oh, well, first thing, Jill, female birds have been, they're known to do this, too, but it's mostly males, so we have to own up to that, to attack windows. And the reason is basic. It's getting to be spring, and cardinals claim territories, and cardinals seldom share territories with other cardinals. I have a male and two females in my yard, and the two, one female chases the other female all the time. When a male cardinal spots another male, a chasing fight ensues, and that's what the two females in my yard are doing. It's a chasing fight. There's not a whole lot of damage. One just chases the other one. With uh, the dominant male, boy, he gets a mate, a nesting location, the territory, and the area's food. So it's uh, he gets a lot of spoils from this battle. The loser, he develops an inferiority complex. When a cardinal sees its reflection in the window, it's seeing another cardinal. It doesn't know that's a reflection. It's, it's another cardinal in its territory. And the cardinal attacks until the other cardinal goes away. The real cardinal would flee, but the reflection remains. Being persistent and stubborn, the cardinal continues to attack its reflection. He may stop on his own, but you might stop him by blocking the image. An easy way to do this is to put a piece of cardboard or plastic cling on the outside of the window where the bird is attacking. Soaping that area works. It it might cause the bird to take its fight to another window. <laughs> and, you know, Martha Stewart, I always say if she drives by, she will shudder. But in most cases, <laughs> you won't have to keep it up for long, just until the shadow boxing cardinal thinks his uh, worthy adversary has departed. I had to cover a car's rear-view mirror with a paper bag to calm a cardinal one year. It just kept fighting with my car. Wait a I minute. the rear view, actual... But doesn't the rear-view mirror face you inside? Or are you talking no, the, are you, the uh, side mirror, you mean? 
eat up the side. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, gotcha. I bet you the the police wouldn't look very very kindly on that if they saw you going by with paper bags on your side mirrors, though. No, no, probably not. And you know, I used to. Oh. You know, I became a daddy, so I had those little baby booties hanging oh. <laughs> down from the rearview mirror, and, and that probably wasn't a, a good idea either, but I was just so proud. I wanted to let everybody driving by say, well, oh, he must be a new dad or something. <laughs> but it, um, it, I had I had one one-year attack the baby moon hubcaps on my 1959 Rambler Classic. So, And, boy, nothing makes a... Uh, uh, 1959 Rambler classic look more boss than Baby Moon Hubcaps. Um, Marta Hebronson, who's also from Heartland, sent a photo to my lovely bride about footprints in the snow and was wondering what they were, and uh, it was Bigfoot. So uh, we have Bigfoot in Heartland, and we're pretty proud. I've never seen Bigfoot footprints, so I don't know what they look like. I think they were maybe squirrels bounding squirrel footprints in deep snow are they don't look like squirrel footprints i guess because they bound through the snow and it just um, makes an odd footprint uh ruth searle of woodbury sent a photo of a common red pole at her feeder great to hear from Ruth. arlene carr arlene lives in northfield said i i looked up possum and i find it spelled o-p-o-s-s-u-m also, the article said that they now think ours is the one that came from Mexico, not the Virginia one. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I've always spelled, I remember when I was just in like grade school, we had possum in a spelling bee, and I got it right. That was probably the only word I got right. That's why I remember it. But yeah, it is spelled with an O, and a lot of people will pronounce the O, so it comes out to something like opossum. Um, and I, I use the O except when referencing Pogo, and it's Pogo without an old possum. Uh, I tend to say possum, so it's the Virginia possum to me. Uh, the Virginia possum is the only possum native to North America, and the only possum found north of Mexico. I would think that our original possums came from farther north. Uh, but how would we know? I'm guessing the first ones were from Iowa. Possums first arrived in Minnesota in the southeastern part of the state around 1900. They weren't equipped for our winters, and they still aren't. But uh, yeah, ours is the Virginia possum, and again, because of the Virginia colony, uh, John Smith wrote it down. There were possums there, and they were because they were found there, they were called Virginia possums. Harvey Benson of Harmony says, time for us to say we think of you often to say that we wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Well, same to you, Harvey. He said, I saw three kinds of birds at my feeder this morning, cardinals, blue jays, and others. You know, that's pretty cool, Harvey, because we don't have to identify birds to enjoy them. Uh, Matt Morris sent me a lovely photo of a red fox. I think one of the most beautiful animals. Ken Spellman. Uh, who lives in the Twin Cities, sent me a New Yorker article, and it was titled, The Book That Colored Charles Darwin's World. And the book, uh, it was called Werner's Nomenclature of Colors by Patrick Syme, as samples, uh, names, and descriptions of 110 colors. And he used it a lot in his writings. 
It's a wonderful article. It goes much deeper into human connections and all those other things. But thanks, Ken, to be in the last last New Yorker issue in January. So I want to say January 28th or somewhere right around there. And it's well worth a read. Uh, Roy Zender sent me a photo of trumpeter swans at Sibley Park now. So uh, how cool that was. I love trumpeter swans and uh, a nice photo, so I appreciate it. Isn't it early for uh, them to be returning yet, the trumpeter swans? Because do they fly somewhere south and come back, or what? We have a lot of them stay here in Minnesota. Oh, okay. I was up in Monticello, and there was 2,300 of them, I think, in open wow. water out there. And if anybody's in Monticello and just likes taking pictures of birds, if you get to Monticello, you'll have no problem finding this place. Uh, somebody will tell you how to get there, and it's a nice little park where you can pull in and and sit, and you will see Canada geese and mallards and trumpeter swans galore. So it's a wonderful, wonderful stop. Uh, someone named uh, Lloyd. Oh, I don't know if I've heard from a Lloyd before. How cool is that? I when I was a little boy, I had trouble spelling Lloyd because I never knew like when to stop putting the L's in. I just kept going L L L L L. Uh, Lloyd said someone told me that I could tell the hunting habits of an owl by its eye color. True. You know the color of an owl's eyes probably is a vague indicator of the time of day it prefers to hunt. It's not an accurate indicator. I've read and heard often that owls with yellow eyes hunt during the day, so they're diurnal. Owls with dark eyes hunt during the night, nocturnal. And owls with orange eyes hunt at dusk or dawn, so they're crepuscular. You know, there's so many exceptions. It was an example of exceptions to those guidelines. Barred owls, B-A-R-R-E-D, which are common owls around here, they have dark eyes. So according to the thing I just read, they should be nocturnal hunters. Well, they will hunt at night, but they certainly hunt during the day. A lot of folks send me photos of them at their feeders. So I I couldn't say that uh, looking at the eye color of an owl is going to be a definite uh, way of telling uh, the habits, hunting habits. Lloyd also said, what are some popular musical groups named after birds? Oh, cool. Here we go. Uh, this is certainly not a comprehensive list. I sat down with a scratch pad and wrote these down, so I'm sure I missed a whole bunch of them. There's some stretches here. I didn't put Cheryl Crow in because that would have been too far of a stretch. <laughs> but here are a few. The Black Crows, uh, one of my favorites, the Birds. Counting crows, the eagles, another favorite, fabulous thunderbirds, uh, flock of seagulls, the jayhawks, the old crow medicine show, the orioles, Charlie Bird Parker, the sandpipers, swans, and the yardbirds. Like the yardbirds an awful lot. So, uh, boy, folks, feel free to fill in all the other ones. I'm sure I missed about a bazillion, but those were the ones that came to, to mind, and uh, uh, I think I've heard all of those. I must have, otherwise I wouldn't have wanted to mention them. And, again, I, I couldn't put Cheryl Crow down. I, I did put Cheryl Crow down, I crossed her out, then I wrote it in again, and then I crossed it out. I did, said that, but that was just Did you too, say Flock of Seagulls? I didn't hear you say Flock I did. Oh, you, yeah. oh, I missed that, yeah. Hey, I've got a couple of uh, questions from our friend John. 
He uh, says, did you hear about the baby born in Grand Rapids area in January? It was born with a deer face and a bare bottom. (laughs) He wrote and then he wrote grown now. And then he also he also said this is for Al. It's easy. He thinks what kind of nut has no shell? What kind of nut has no shell? Uh, boy, I guess a nut like me, uh, I don't know. A donut. <laughs> a donut. <laughs> Two groaners in a row from John. Oh, John. He just, he gets, he's, he's getting even more painful on this. He's just getting better and you know, better and better or worse or worse. I don't know which one, uh, a little bit of both. So, John, we appreciate you listening and uh, appreciate those uh, those uh, things. As painful and as hard <laughs> on me as they are, I sure do appreciate them and, and wouldn't miss them if I didn't get them. I, uh, you're a, a avid gardener, as am I, mm-hmm. and I love our native ladybugs. Not the, the I don't... The multicolored Asian ladybugs kind of drive me crazy. I know they do some good work, but I, I love our native ladybugs. And um, somebody asked me the other day, and I don't know who it was, he said, I don't see those little red ladybugs anymore, but where do they go in the winter? Well, they're um, ladybugs or lady beetles. They same same insect. They overwinter under leaf litter, fallen tree bark. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, we burned wood forever, and they'd be under firewood. We'd see a lot of them under firewood in similar locations. Extremely cold temperatures, uh, temperature fluctuations, and uh, snow-covered depth, those kind of things can certainly impact their survival. The legend is, and I underline and circle legend, is that the name Ladybug was coined by European farmers who prayed to the Virgin Mary when pests were eating their crops. And then the ladybugs arrived and wiped out the invading pests, and the farmers were so taken with them, they they named them the Beetle of Our Lady. And this was eventually shortened to Lady Beetle or Ladybug. The problem with this legend is that the insect was called a ladybird beetle in the UK. So they probably wouldn't have been calling them ladybugs or lady beetles. Uh, It's more likely, the insect was more likely to have been named because of its seven spots, which were believed to symbolize the seven sorrows of the Virgin Mary. And the familiar children's rhyme that just about everybody, I don't know about kids today, but growing up, everybody knew it. They went ladybug, ladybug, fly away home. Or it could be ladybird, ladybird. Uh, your house is on fire and your children do roam. And that referenced the burning of hop vines in England following the harvest that cleared fields but also killed ladybird beetles. So it was, they are wonderful little um, insects, uh, so helpful, and uh, just love having them around. And when we first started getting our eight, multicolored Asian lady beetles. I'd find one in the house and I'd put it in my hand and I'd open the door and say, fly away, little beetle, you know, go find your children. And I'm not so happy to find them in the house, although the last few years we really haven't had that many. So I hope maybe they hit their zenith as far as populations 
and uh, just won't have them in the house uh, for a while. I but, think the most insulation one year I had in the house were lady beetles. <laughs> I, I wonder sometimes if it isn't cyclical, kind of like the cicadas, and they come every so often because it seems like with with uh, beetles, uh, whether they're the ladybugs or the box elder bugs, it seems like it, it's kind of cyclical. And maybe that's just me thinking that, or I don't know. I hope that's true of Japanese beetles because I I think you have, oh, have some. I don't want yeah you know that, with them yeah and they say that you know they they lay their um, eggs in the the soil and then so then they'll come back the next year so I'm really hoping not because I had a bunch this year hey I have to make a correction I I goofed up earlier when I said did you hear about the baby born in the Grand Rapids area in January that was born with a deer face and a bare bottom. It was from yeah. yeah. It was from Carl in Morristown, and I said it was from John. I mis- oh. I misread. John sent the other one, but Carl, thanks for uh, checking in from Morristown. We appreciate you listening, and we appreciate your little groan for the day. Thank you very much, Carl. It's always um, grand to hear from you. So yeah, it's, a lot of folks uh, haven't had experience with Japanese beetles, and I hope they're that remains that way because they I don't know what they don't eat they just devour pretty much everything so I I hope they don't well you know the next thing oh I was just gonna say the next thing I'm worried about is the emerald ash borer because that's getting ever closer as well and so these invasive things we got to kind of just keep an eye out and try not to bring them in and we're gonna get the emerald ash borer unless some sort of miracle comes up where they can find some way to stop them because it's in Houston County and places. So sadly, we're gonna get them uh, again unless something amazing happens. Maybe something will come in and wipe them out. Who knows? I hope everyone will come to the cafe. I just talked to a guy here at Jackpot Junction. He was wondering where the cafe was and when he could come there. And uh, I hope he comes. It's a place where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always a Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. I walk like a penguin to avoid slipping on the ice the other day. I, I leaned my torso forward so my center of gravity was on my front leg. Walking normally normally splits body weight evenly over both legs, which increases the risk of losing my balance and falling. And as I move from ice to snow, my shoes made squeaking sounds, and when temperatures are low, there's more friction between snow crystals. And when I stepped on the snow, the crystals rubbed against each other and broke and making a squeaking sound. And I've mentioned before, at 14 degrees or lower is when the snow becomes squeaky. Unlike snow, mice squeak at all temperatures except for Mighty Mouse, (laughs) whose real name is Mike Mouse, who sings instead. He sings, Mr. Trouble never hangs around when he hears this mighty sound. And, of course, his famous, here I come to save the day. That means that Mighty Mouse is on his way. And Mighty Mouse rescues those who fall on the ice in Mouseville. But unless you live in Mouseville, please be careful in your winter walking. I just talked to someone who fell on the shoulder, so now she's got to go through surgery and everything. We don't want that to happen to you, so be careful. Remember, Heartland is well worth driving past. 
you're going to walk past it, walk, you know, walk like a penguin. Do something wild today, folks. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. I look forward to every Tuesday. And thanks, everybody, for listening to KMSU. It's great radio. Thanks, Al. We appreciate it. We'll be back again next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye.